This week on the Cigar Dave Show podcast, we feature John Huber and Mike Condor, the founders of Crown Head Cigars. The Cigar Dave Show is presented by Gurkha, the world's finest cigars, including the new San Miguel, a medium to full-bodied Nicaraguan puro that delights the senses with notes of white pepper, gentle earthiness, and a sweet honey-like finish. San Miguel by Gurkha. Visit GurkhaCigars.com and by Davidoff of Geneva, makers of Camacho and the Camacho Connecticut. Tame, but tuned up to deliver more flavor and more satisfaction. Whether it's morning, noon, or night, it's always the perfect time for Camacho, Connecticut. Camacho, strength and character. It's in our DNA. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com. This is the Cigar Dave Podcast with The General. One of the great success stories in the cigar industry, the artisanal cigar manufacturers, boutique, if you will, distributors, Crown Head Cigars. And I have known the two principals of Crown Heads for many years. They join us on the Cigar Dave Show podcast all week as we talk about Crown Heads, their portfolio, the background of the two principals. My pleasure to welcome longtime friends John Huber, Mike Condor, joining us from their Nashville, Tennessee headquarters. Gentlemen, great to have you with us. Cigar Dave, it's great to be with you again after a long time. Nice to hear the general's voice. Still the same. This doesn't change. There you go. And as always, uh, it's great to hear both of your voices. And I extend, as always, a long-ash greeting and salutation and a long-ash snappy salute to both of you. First of all, before we even talk about crowned heads and before we even talk about your backgrounds, I want to know how both of you are doing. So let's start with John. How have you been the last year? been kind of a very crazy year, as we all know. Yeah, yeah, it has, General, but uh, healthy, so uh, counting my blessings and uh, taking that zinc course that you told me to take on a daily, so not good, good, man. Well, I am not a practicing physician, but I should be, but uh, I'm just giving <laughs> recommendations in terms of things that I have read, and uh, look, so far, knock on wood, so good. And uh, Mike, how's everything with you? Everything is great with me. It's uh, as you said. It's been kind of a crazy year. We've we have uh, we thought. I've, I've talked to the team. I remember two or three days ago, saying in the beginning we said, "Look, we're have a Zoom call every day. This is going to last about two weeks, and then we'll be back on the road like normal." And we're we're fifty two weeks in. But uh, as John says, same with me. I'm healthy and um, plenty of time to smoke and uh, have a cocktail every afternoon. So it's really not uh, not too much complaining to do on our end. You know, I can just see you on the plantation porch, Mike, with your seersucker suit and your striped tie and your, uh, you know, southern genteel hat with your old-fashioned and one of the great crowned heads, whether it's a Mil Diaz or a Jericho Hill. I can just see you right now. I can picture that, Mike. I can picture it. You got part of it right. It's the you got the cigar right. You got the old fashions dead on right. No, no question there. But I've retired the seersucker suits for. Um, you know, something a little sportier, like a seersucker three-quarter pullover by Peter Millar. Ah, you know what? That's I'm, wearing a, I'm wearing a Peter Millar myself. And I remember the days, Mike, when you were very corporate. When you were with General Cigar, <laughs> you wore the suits and the tie every day. And I remember visiting the headquarters at 387 Park Avenue South, your palatial offices, visiting you and Edgar Coleman Sr. and Jr., who, by the way, without any question, amongst the most gentlemanly of 
all people in the cigar industry. Edgar Sr. was an absolute gem, and the industry really misses him. And I'm sure you'd agree with that, Mike. I do agree with that. He was uh, he was a fantastic mentor for me. I loved all the time that I spent there. Of course, you know, different different era back there in the 80s and 90s, as they say. But uh, it's amazing. You can remember the address, 387 Park Avenue South. Uh, it's a pretty good memory on your part. But you're right about one thing. Dressed up every day, Edgar Sr.'s idea of casual Friday was a sport coat and tie versus a suit and tie. So right. that, was the, exactly. that was the leadership there. That's what we did. Exactly. That is 100% correct. And it was very stately walking into the offices and seeing the portraits of all the other Coleman executives back in the day. It was uh, <laughs> It's kind of like walking into, it really was to a degree, it was like walking into what businesses were like probably in New York or really across the country back in the, you know, 40s, 50s, and even 60s. Just that kind of mentality. If you if you looked at if you watched Ad Men or Mad Men, it kind of had that same not in terms of how they treated, you know, their employees and so on and women, but just kind of that that stately type of atmosphere if you will. Yeah, definitely very formal, no question about it, but it was uh, you know, it was fun for the years that I did it. I got um, crazy tired of New York after three years, just the right. the headache of living in New York City, which, you know, to my mind has probably gotten worse, not to offend any of our New Yorker uh, fans, but it's probably gotten worse over the years. And so it's good to be back, as you say, in the South, sitting on my porch. Well, uh, many people don't realize this, but actually one of your first stops with General Cigar was living in the Cigar City of Tampa way back. It was at the time, um, Colbro owned Eli Witt and, uh, you know, big kind of billion dollar distributor and they were based in Tampa. So that was a logical place. I think that might've been, uh, we spent more time, you and I doing something in Tampa, you know, uh, having a cocktail or dinner, being in your hometown. That was kind of nice for a few years there. That's right. Exactly. And John, interesting story with you. You actually, I believe you're from the West coast, aren't you, John? Originally, yes. So you are a, are you from SoCal originally? I'm from all Cal, man. I'm from uh, San Francisco, born and raised. And then I went to uh, Los Angeles to attend college. So, so Nor- NorCal to SoCal. And yes. that's where you hooked up with, um, with Tim Osgener, whose family mm-hmm. owns CAO Cigars. And that's kind of how you got into the cigar industry. Actually, I hooked up with John Osgener, rest in peace. Oh, you um, did? I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah, like I worked with, John O and the original CAO for about almost a year before Tim moved out and, and kind of joined up and took residence in Nashville. I did not realize that because didn't Tim also go to school in Southern California? He did. He went to USC as well. And uh, although we never knew each other at the time and he was doing like part-time sales on the West coast while CAO was just getting started. And then once we got our feet under us after about a year or so, that he moved back out to Nashville and made it a full-time gig instead of a part-time gig. And when you started with CAO, what was your position? Missionary. That's what I was, you know what? I was, I swear to you, Mike, I, or, or John, I was going to say, and don't tell me missionary. But, but the truth being is, I heard maybe it was pile driver or doggy. Bow wow. What are those, what are those you two? You know what, Dave? I think we're soulmates. We're on the same page right there with, the, with our mindset. Um, I was actually the uh, shipping manager. For five months. I think you got fired as the shipping manager, if I recall. I think I'd like to refer to it as I got promoted to director of promotions and public relations because I'm excellent at that. Uh-huh. And then after the fact, they told me how terrible I was at shipping, but it got my foot in the door. There you go. And then you stayed in Nashville. That was it. You've been there 
since that time. Yeah, man. Um, so let's see. First day was CAO was April 15th, 96. Last day was CAO was December 17th, 2010. And uh, been crown heads ever since. Outstanding. And, you know, one of the all-time highlights of the Cigar Dave show in history, I would say it's now been what, uh, 25 and a half years, going to come up on 26 years, is when CAO had sold to General Cigar. You wanted to do, you, both of you and Tim, wanted to do a really big party live broadcast right from CAO headquarters, and it was a magnificent, magnificent uh uh, building and magnificent location overlooking John C. Toon Airport. And you said, we want to do a live show. We want to make it special. And I remember flying up there, stayed up with the weekend. We, we uh, uh, Easy Ed Pendino, our director of technical operations, came up with us. That was one of the great weekends of all time. The hospitality that, that you showed us that we had was phenomenal. And I remember said, saying, yeah, we'll stay at like the Merritt, whatever. You're like, oh, no, 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 no. You're staying at the Hermitage. We're putting you up at the Hermitage. And boy, what a what a treat! What a spectacular historic hotel. Yeah, that was that was a big weekend. I think we had a couple thousand uh, fans out there as well, didn't we? Yeah, it was crazy. That was crazy. And, uh, yeah, yeah. We we had uh, uh, what's the country music uh, singer who lives in Nashville? Big cigar smoker. I see him on Fox all the time. Yeah, we had John Rich came out. John Rich, John Rich was there, and we had uh, one of the quarterbacks. I'm trying to remember which quarterback it was. Um, oh yeah, it was. It was uh, the Vandy guy. What's his name? Yeah, played for Chicago. It was uh, Peyton Manning. No, it wasn't Peyton Manning. <laughs> no, yeah, it was the Peyton. guy that played for the Bears and went to Vandy. What is it? He, he was Jay in Cutler. Denver. Jay Cutler. Jay yes, Cutler. Sir. That's right. Jay Cutler showed up. We had wow. it was it was a ton of fun. And I remember we went to John Rich's, I think, private club downtown on uh, Broadway. So that was a wonderful weekend. And then, of course, at that that what year was that roughly? I'm trying to remember. Was that nine? That was about ten years ago, if I'm not mistaken. It was about eight or nine. It was either yeah. 2008, 2009, something like that. Right. And then CAO is sold. And then both of you gentlemen decide that you know what? You didn't want to leave the cigar industry. You'd been in it a long time. You had great relationships with so many retailers and, uh, and other manufacturers and consumers that you wanted to do something different, something very unique. So I'll let one of you guys uh, pick up that story and kind of give our guide, our audience on how it all came about, the Crown Heads formation. Go ahead, John. Well, it kind of went like this. After I begged and pleaded Dan Carr to take me to Richmond, and he said no five times, I was like, "Fuck! Now what am I going to do?" So uh, uh, Mike said, "Well, if, if you know if that doesn't pan out for you, do you want to do something together?" I said, "Yeah, okay, cool." And um, we literally, like December tenth rolled around, or seventeenth rolled around, and I, I I took everything, threw it in a trash can, walked out the front door, and then four days later, Mike and I started meeting. Um, about what the new the new thing is going to be, and um, spent about three weeks in a basement with white sheets of paper, going over what the whole philosophy of the court of the company was going to be, what the all that good stuff. And you know, I'm skipping over a lot of details, but in February of 2011, we announced that we were going to start this company called Crown Heads, and um, then the, the the task was finding who was going to make the cigars for said company crowned heads and that's when mike and i took off about march-ish march or april and a little central america tour um you know meeting various in fact you were along that tour dave you we, we stopped that's off right. in uh, 
We had lunch with you at the the restaurant, Columbia. Yeah, in Columbia restaurant in Ybor City. I remember that very well. Yeah, yeah, and that was part of that whole that whole thing. So that's how it all kicked off, and we really didn't get uh, get going until November of eleven. That's when we first first started shipping cigars under the Four Kicks brand. And so, yeah, we're coming up real quickly on the ten year anniversary. So. If I remember correctly, it's all coming back to me now. I've forgotten completely about the lunch uh, at the Columbia with Dave, but I I recall kind of like for a year or two after that, when we first started actually selling some product, Dave would call us about once a month and say, hey, you know, that meeting I I think was instrumental in what you guys ended up doing, and I feel like I should get a small cut of uh, Absolutely, and I still tell you that today. Absolutely, of your success. But but, And I remember we we sat down and I said, you got to call Ernesto Perez Carrillo. You got to call Ernie, and you've had a great relationship with Ernie since the time you started. And of course, you know he makes fantastic cigars, and I think uh, kind of the rest is history. Now, how did you come up with the name Crowned Heads? Oh boy, John, you got to tell that one. All I know is this: uh, going back to John's comment about we kind of locked ourselves in the basement for three or four weeks and and just thought all this kind of stuff through and penciled it up on on big sheets of paper and then tore it down, threw it away, did it again, all that kind of stuff. We, we kind of agonized over the name. We, we spent a lot of time thinking about what the name should be. And I, as I recall it, John, you can fill in the details. It, it kind of, uh, after we'd exhausted all of our thinking uh, and everybody, we, we went our own separate ways and we're trying to think about what to do next. Um, I get this kind of phone call from John that says, I got it. And uh, you got it, okay. Yeah, I was watching, I was watching TV and boom, there it goes. I'll let you pick it up from there, John. Actually, the truth is we were sequestered in a French chateau called Via Nelcott. And, <laughs> okay, there you go. Good enough. Right? right. And uh, we were there, you know, drinking wine and, and carrying on for about a month. And um, <laughs> I, I was on the, the iPad watching Wizard of Oz. And I, I, for whatever reason, I just noticed that this one scene in The Wizard of Oz before Dorothy you know, goes, goes to Oz, is uh, she meets this Professor Marvel, and on the side of his caravan, the crowned heads of Europe, past, present, and future. And I screenshotted it, I texted it, I said, crowned heads. And that's as simple as, the, that's as that involved as it gets. And then after the fact, after we announced that that was the name of the company, all these little, like, kind of interesting online theories came about that crowned heads referred to the finish of the cap on the cigar, or it stood for CH, which was Condor Huber. And it, it, that's all very nice, and, and it would be great if I could take credit for that, but it was just as simple as I just riffed off of The Wizard of Oz. I think it's I think it's pretty uh, cool that people think enough to start applying conspiracy theories to how you came up with your name, you know? Yeah. That means that they care, I guess. Absolutely. Well, bored. CH makes sense when you think no about life. it. Condor Huber, I mean, that... You know, I mean, uh, you could also do the phonetic li- uh, phonetic uh, uh, pronunciation. You could be Charlie Hotel Cigars. So I think True. Crowned True. Heads is a little better than Charlie Hotel Cigars. Well, you know, so honestly, I mean, all jokes aside, we wanted some. I personally wanted something very abstract and oblique in that it kind of gave us the creative latitude to create other things underneath the umbrella aside from just cigars. So it did. I didn't want it to be like, you know, X Y Z Cigar Company or whatever. I wanted something that would actually beg the question to be asked, what is Crown Heads? Because now you can take Crown Heads, you can apply it to a spirit. It could be Crown Heads whiskey. It could be Crown Heads cigars. It could be Crown Heads coffee, whatever. It's, so once you establish excellence in the category, I wanted to be able to like kind of bleed over into others. So we're still trying to establish excellence in the cigar category, though, So before we get to that next phase. 
Gurkha is known for producing the world's finest cigars. When you look at their blends, you look at their packaging, you look at the bands, everything about Gurkha screams quality. Gurkha has just released a new cigar that is totally about absolute taste and quality, the San Miguel by Gurkha. It's a Nicaraguan Puro, Nicaraguan wrapper, binder, and filler. Perfect, medium to full-bodied balance, loaded with complexity, layers of flavor, including white pepper, a nice natural earth tone, finished with a sweet, honey-like taste. San Miguel by Gurkha. Features 100% Aganorsa leaf, Nicaraguan shade-grown Corojo wrapper, double Nicaraguan binder, Nicaraguan filler. If you're looking for a medium to full-bodied beauty, go no further. Then the new San Miguel by Gurkha, visit GurkhaCigars.com. John Huber, Mike Condor of Crown Head Cigars, our guests on the Cigar Dave Show podcast. So now we know how Crown Heads got the name, how you cr- came up with that name. Forget the conspiracy theories. It's just simply you were watching The Wizard of Odds, and uh, there it is, Crown Heads. And so you, you get with Ernesto Perez Carrillo, and you both – start working on some new blends and coming up with some new brands and give us uh, your first cigar that you both came up with and how that, how, I think it was the four kicks, if I'm not mistaken. You are correct. Okay. You are correct. Actually, and that's, that's um, also so, a unique name. I mean, most know, people would look and say, that easy. It's like, you know, we, we had all these opportunities and options with factories, which was a blessing, but when we really kind of did the analyticals behind it and then decided, okay, Ernie's our guy. At that time, Ernie was not anybody else. It was just EPC Cigar Company. That was it. So we're like, well, okay, let's see if he'll do this. So that was the, the first hurdle to jump. And once he said, okay, then the next hurdle was like, he said, okay, you got to come down here. You got to work with the tobaccos. We're, we're going to build this cigar. You're not going to just like co-sign a sample. It's, so if this thing works, it's going to be to your credit. If it, if it fails, it's going to be to your demise, which I, that's exactly what I want to hear. I mean, because I think that was what was really exciting about creating that thing is like building it leaf by leaf and really brick by brick, as opposed to, you know, for instance, the the antithesis of that was, you know, a day after we announced the company, we got a, a phone call from a prominent cigar factory saying, hey, I already got the blend. All you got to come up with is a name and we'll make a million dollars. And I'm like, and eh, right. that's exactly what I didn't want to do. Right. So that was the, the first step. So we, you know, went back down to uh, the factory with Ernie and literally just, I, you know, got a crash course master's degree, so to speak, in validating tobacco, like, you know, sorting it, smoking it, you know, getting a sense of the, of the strength by burning it under your nose, doing all these different things that I had never done to that point. And, you know, even to the point where like we were like evaluating uh, like Lijero from Esteli, but they were both, yeah, two two different hands of tobaccos. One was ten miles down the road from the other one, and they he's like, no, they're completely different though. I'm like, really? And he's like, and once you tasted it and you smelled it and you got into it, you could tell there was a difference just ten miles down the road from farm to farm, finca to finca. So, um, a lot of work went into to four kicks, but um, I think it was it was well spent time because now it still continues. 10 years later to, to, to be a, a staple for our portfolio. And in this day and age where people have such a short attention span, having 10 years of longevity, longevity of a brand is, uh, it, it's, it's no, not, you know, not for nothing. 
So, Mike, the first year, or what was the what was the first uh, month and year that Four Kicks was released, and what was the reception initially when you launched that cigar? I think we released it in uh, early 2011. Am I right? Early 2012, John. November the eighth, two thousand eleven, we shipped okay. thirty-five thousand cigars. Yeah, so we had, we we literally um, we went that process that John you know kind of went through there lasted before we got cigars. You know, kind of a full uh, nine ten months. I mean, we were we were up and running in January, and and um, I have to go back though for a minute. I want to I want to make a point out of this. It's been told a few times, but there's no question that our partnership with uh, Ernesto you know turned out to be. The correct foundation to launch the company and one of the things that we did during our three weeks in the basement you know we were lucky enough very lucky uh dave both of us Vietnam, Elcott. yeah Vietnam, Elcott, right having relationships with a lot of people that said hey we, we we'll be glad to help you out if you want to make a cigar just let me know and we'll talk about it so we had a lot of, of names that everybody would recognize that were very open to doing uh some some business with us and we really sat down and went through in detail uh, why and how do we make this decision on on where do we go to start? And when it can, kind of got down to the last five or six potential people, all of them had made and had the ability to make and were on an everyday basis making great cigars. Right. But with Ernie, it came down to character. We had known him both for a long time. I'd known him back to the General Cigar Days 20, That's right. 20 years. And he is such an uh, an upstanding character kind of guy that we felt like, not that the other guys weren't, but we just felt like he was really, he was the guy to partner up with for long-term success. And and that is exactly what happened. And, and as John said, you know, it's that's lasted to this day and that brand has lasted to this day. So yeah, we spent, you know, all, we spent a full year, really almost 10 months getting to the start line with that, with that product uh, between uh, the process that John described uh, being down there and and really working on the blend from the ground up uh, to the manufacturing to all that went into the branding and the, and the, the um, packaging materials and so forth um, and the aging the cigar so it was done right nothing was rushed out the door so we cooled our jets no kidding for 10 months you can imagine being in the office as a cigar company and nothing to sell right but when the first order came in John was it like the first order seems like it was six or seven hundred boxes that made it to our office in Nashville, which was not an office, by the way, set up as a warehouse like we are now. It was an office and uh, it was actually a bar that we had converted into an office. And so the first six, seven hundred boxes came up. I can remember being stacked up on tables and on the bar in our office uh, and us looking at each other going, damn, now we have to figure out how to ship it. So it was quite a process for that first year. Yeah, the, the first walk-in humidor we had was a converted closet. <laughs> so we, we kind of outgrew that space. And interesting story behind the name of, of Four Kicks. And I know, John, you came up with, you were the inspiration for the name, or there was a song that was the inspiration for the name, so I'll let you share that. Yeah, uh, there's a, a band uh, called Leon, and they had a song called Four Kicks, which is, it just has a very rebellious message about, you know, uh, basically standing up to uh, the way I interpreted it, it was standing up to the opposing forces and like, you know, let's get our, guns out, you know, kick your ass, blah, 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 whatever. And I, I was literally in a mindset where I was very, very anti-corporate, you know, anti-whatever. And um, 
that song just really stuck with me. And I thought that would be a, a good way to build a brand would be on that, that mantra, that, that ethos. And um, that's basically what it is. It's just a, if you, you could pull it up on YouTube and, and watch the video and they're basically getting a bar fight. But, um, yeah, that's where we're at. So. And so that was the original. That's uh, an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper. That is and correct. And that has some Nicaraguan fillers, 100% Nicaraguan binder. And it's a, just a nice, I think, all-around medium-bodied cigar. Nice amount of spice, very balanced. Not going to, you know, blow you off. if It's not for somebody that says, oh, man, I, you know, I, I, I can't smoke anything that's going to be, you know, too, if it's too powerful, it's not for me. This isn't. It's really a nice cigar that any palate, I think, would enjoy. Yeah, very intentionally done that way because that was going to be the foundation of which we would build the portfolio on. We wanted something that was easily accessible and approachable for a novice to smoke, but yet an enthusiast could appreciate the nuances and complexities of the blend. And I think we, you know, with, along with Ernie, we, we nailed it pretty well. No doubt about it. It's a, it's a nice, perfect cigar, a morning, midday, afternoon, night, somebody that is a cigar novice or an experienced cigar connoisseur, no matter what your palate, that four kicks from Crown Head's a very nice cigar. Camacho cigars are known for their strength and character. It's in their DNA. They're unconventional. Now, you know when you talk about a mild-bodied cigar with a Connecticut wrapper, it's the same story. Light, golden, mild, Yawn. Camacho decided they were going to strip it down and tune it up with more flavor, more satisfaction, enough to earn a seat at the Camacho table. While still maintaining a nice medium-bodied character, the Camacho Connecticut starts with a Connecticut wrapper from Honduras, a binder from Honduras Authentic Arojo, and Honduran Dominican Republic filler. What do you get? A nice medium-bodied cigar that is tuned up, that delivers cream, woody nuttiness to round out spice and sweetness. Camacho, Connecticut. Good any time of day or night, morning, noon, or night. You can never go wrong. Camacho, strength and character. It's in our DNA. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com. We will continue our conversation tomorrow with John Huber and Mike Condor of Crown Head Cigars. Now that we've explored the history of Crown Heads and their first release, the Four Kicks, we'll go in-depth to the rest of their portfolio and also talk about their journey along the way as they're about to celebrate their 10th anniversary. Cigar Dave, the general, saying, Mayor Humidor, always be full. Mayor Cutter, always be sharp. Mayor Ashby, extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Save America. Live it up. (laughs) 